Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored to have Cliff Olney, a business owner and activist, a former CNN reporter. We, we did a whole lot of stuff together over the years at CNN and other places. He is now not just an eye reporter, not just a business owner, but he became the councilman, one of the councilmen of or council people of Watertown, New York. Cliff Olney, welcome to Politics and Right. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let good me tell friend. you something, man. Uh, like we, it's been a long time. You know, we were all grassroots guys, always trying to make a difference. And, uh, you know, we always talk about politics, et cetera, who's going to go out there and, and join the fold. And, you know, man, you didn't only join the fold, you did it and you won after some trepidation, but... Why don't you tell us a little, let, let us, give us a little history here. Well, it, it was uh, in 2015, and before that, you and I knew each other. Right. right. And know each other now. Um, and that my daughter was born, my second daughter, Marissa, was born prematurely. So when uh, she was born, we had full insurance, right, coverage. A Cadillac policy, as they referred to it during the, yes. Obama, uh, the Obamacare debate. And so uh, they dropped us. And when they dropped us, they said to us that it was cheaper for them to litigate it than it was to pay the bill of 280000 So I said, oh, that's not right. Went to my uh, GOP congressman. Um, he said, well, you know, things happen. So I became an activist and started fighting for health care on a national level. And so I, I dabbled into the local politics in 2015. I got uh, punched out in the primary. But then in 2017, there were two issues that were going on in the city of Watertown. I couldn't believe uh, the people that were in charge at that time didn't want to rebuild the Thompson Park pool. Now, this was after years of neglect, right? They've not done things that they needed to to maintain it. And so they felt, well, um, there's too much money, you know. So I said, obviously, it's not. And that is a gem. And that brings a lot of other tourists to that park for the zoo and other things that we had up there. And so I jumped into the race. We knocked out two intransigent uh, council people that were already on the council. Um, I didn't win, I came in third, but Lisa and uh, Ryan did win and they got the Thompson Park pool built. And there's so much more that we can do. So I thought, all right, in 2019, I had another opportunity to run for city councilman again and maybe get in this time. And then I saw this very conservative mayor who had run and been in council before uh, it was, he decided to run. So I said, there's no way I'm running for council. I'm running against him as mayor for the mayor of the city. Um, and uh, of course, then two other people jumped in. They split the vote. He slid in with 38% of the vote. And he's been there for the last two years. Well, his time in office has been riddled with um, cutting pools, uh, selling off our heavy rescue truck, which gave the city a much better response time to an emergency, and on and on and on. It just goes on. And it's like this punitive measure after measure that this guy has just, you know. And actually, I think what has happened over the last two years, and people have seen what he's done and what they, uh, what he had was two reliable yes votes. Every single vote, anytime he wanted to do something, he was able to, and the other two that were in the minority, the two that got in in 2017, the progressives, weren't able to do anything. So this year, um, what I did was I, I made it a referendum on him. Are you better off now after two years of Jeff Smith than you were when he took office? 
you know, sound familiar? Was that Reagan yes. morning in America? Remember right? that? And and people made the decision. They weren't better off. And uh, it was tough because locally we have this very powerful public benefit corporation called the uh, Development Authority of the North Country. And they decided that it was okay for them to run their economic developer or development <laughs> manager against, against you. me and everybody else who was in the race. Because what he needed was one more person to say yes. And uh, quite frankly, just to give you a little background, the way this opened up the opportunity is uh, council votes for mayor every four years. Well, it wasn't, and plus two council people. This year, we had the opportunity to replace two city councilmen and one of the councilmen that won in 2019, who was a good friend of his and a reliable yes vote for the mayor, uh, decided to resign because he was, the word is he was sick of it. Mm -hmm. sick of saying yes and couldn't develop uh, the ability to say no and uh, just got out so it opened up three seats and we took all three we were drawing to an inside straight all he needed was one more ace in his hand and and, and, and so and, now you got a progressive council we have a progressive council so um the thing the first thing is of course is to learn um what is going on all the levers where they are and that kind of thing and now this week i'm going through orientation with all the department heads so that's been interesting. And then, so that's pretty much it. So this is the, they say the third time's a charm. Well, this was the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Why I never this, quit. Let me tell you why this was so intriguing to me because we talk a whole lot about grassroots and we talk about people who really want change running. Yes. And, but, but we have a lot of talk and we don't have a lot of people doing it. Some who say they're doing it. Some would say, okay, well, why don't you run? Well, each of us have our, our ace to play in the game, right? We well, do. you decided to get up there and run. But most importantly, you asked the right questions. If we take a look at how the Democrats are performing right now, one oh, of the things yeah. that they're not doing is asking that question, are you better off today than you were before? And likewise, what have you done for me lately? And what specifically are you going to do? And it seems to me like you covered all your bases. You did an interview earlier for the station out there. And it mm -hmm. was evident that you covered all the bases. And, you know, the, the guy knew it. He ran out of questions for you, man. Yeah, yeah, that was it was what was most interesting about this uh, race is that I've been looking for the answer. Uh, as though it's the answer. And I think Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, uh, they wrote a song about they, they finally thought they found somebody who knew the truth. And it came down to, it was a child laughing, right? <laughs> there was no truth. It was the simplicity of what it is that I saw on the trail. Um, the biggest thing, I'll give you an example of what it was. My daughter came over to the house and she said, Dad, I want you to explain something to me. So what's that? She says, I went by a house on Arlington Street and it had a Trump 2024 sign in it on the front yard. Wow. It had a Lisa Ruggiero sign, which is, she's a Republican, but she's a moderate and sensible, like the old right. style Teddy Roosevelt kind of Republican. You don't see that much now. And you had, she says, and I, I saw a Cliff Only sign on the same yard. How do you wow, square that? Really? How do you square that? And I said, well, I think here's the thing. What I've come to the realization of is this. Democrats need a much better messaging machine out there. All right, we're not saying what we're doing. And what people want, um, if you look and listen to, look at what's going on and listen to the people, what they're asking us to do is to, 
they want a good government. They want a government that works. They want a government that provides things for them. Now, the speed at which that happens is different from a conservative or progressive point of view, but they want the same things. What we find, what I find, is that the um, Republican Party uh, right now is is stealing our ideas, all right? And they're, pro, they're, they're running their campaigns on our ideas. Now, the girl that was in this race is very much so conservative, all right? She, on the top of her sign, wrote, vote for progress. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's a conservative, my God. And I, I looked at that, and then she had an ad on the local news uh, site uh, website, and it was vote for progress. And so I, I, I got a little peeved, and I said, well, that's, we're not getting, she's not getting away with that. If you, if, you, if you think progress is cool, you better embrace the concept. It's not just something on a campaign slogan on a sign. So I got out back with the sign, and I got out back with this ad that she had in the paper, and I stood there in front of my camera, and I said, vote for progress. I said, it says on her campaign sign on the top. I said, vote for progress. It says on her campaign ad on the news site. I said, if people are going to vote for progress, they're not going to be voting for you, Michelle. I said, you're a conservative. I said, people want progress. I said, if there's something you think that you really like and enjoy that idea, then you should embrace the concept. And I, but then I said, you know, any forward movement, even if it's at a snail's pace, I guess could be considered progress, <laughs> you know? So, you know, she's within her rights to say she's for progress. But, you know, my point, my question is how much, how fast and when, you know, it's like the, the Republicans say, we're going to create jobs. Okay, where? <laughs> First, in China. <laughs> Secondly, how much do they pay? Mm-hmm. You know, you go through the whole thing. So I guess to summarize is that uh, people want government to work for them. And uh, unfortunately, what we saw, I think, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but this was my analysis, was when Bernie ran against Hillary, um, Bernie had the progressive ideas. And um, when he got knocked out in the primary because of all the different forces that were aligned against him, um, he, Trump was watching. And Trump saw that it was in a very effective populist campaign mm-hmm. against Hillary Clinton. And he adopted everything that Bernie was saying about bringing the jobs back, lowering the taxes, creating more good paying jobs. If you go right down the list, he didn't plan on doing any of it, but it sounded good. And so what these guys are doing is they're taking our message and they're selling it to our people and we're not countering it. We're not going back. Let me stop you right there. um, Because I've written about that at the daily coast, exactly that where, where, Donald Trump didn't only triangulate Democrats, but he actually took our ideas, knowing that yes. he would never bring our ideas to pass. But the problem about it is our, right. our neoliberals have no intentions of passing right. the ideas either. And no. that leaves a lot of people in limbo. Do we go with the neoliberals or do we go with the fascists? Which ones? Um, the, the fact is that where progressives are right now is where the country needs to be. But right. This are not up to speed where, where, we, where we already are. And I'll give you an example of what I think. Um, a lot of the Democrats are saying, well, we need a woman in there to be able to represent women's uh, interests. We need a black man uh, in order to represent black interests. We need a Hispanic person and, you know, I don't know, Asian, whatever. Um, Jewish guy to represent the Jewish people's interests. A real true progressive will represent every person's interest. Exactly. No what the color, what the religion, what your sexuality is, nothing. It doesn't matter. 
And when Sanders was doing what he was doing, he could transition all of these different ethnic uh, differences that we have in our party. And so instead of us having to completely, you know, it's almost like we have affirmative action within our party to be able to get the right people and to represent the, the interests of each individual group instead of saying, look, we all have the same interests. And a person who can recognize that and is totally unbiased in any of his beliefs about any of it and the, the, the differences between us, we should celebrate those differences and then create policy that actually does celebrate those differences and, um, and creates a policy that supports the differences as well equally. That, that can be done, but we still have that to, we have to bridge that gap, I think. I don't know. No, uh, let me tell you, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you take a look at, if you take a look at some of the stuff that we write about, right? I, I tell people all the time, I can't, I can't beg or ask anybody to like me, but I can demand that policy is there that makes mm -hmm. sure that you and I, Cliff, have the same access to success, that we are, have the same equity, all those things. Now, we're not talking equal. We're not talking uh, equality based on anything other than equal access to success. To success. Equal opportunity. Exactly. Right, this country. And it's about that. If you have the equal opportunity to, um, people are going to, you know, the idea of uh, income inequality is another word. I think what we need is a, a Frank Luntz, only a democratic version. All right. You know, you know what? I mean, that seriously. Is so true. Yeah. That is we, so, Frank Luntz is a master at what yeah. he does. And you know what? Sometimes he even laugh at himself. Sometimes he'll be like, damn, yeah. that actually worked. Yeah, it did. You know, when we remember George Bush's compassionate conservative phrase. Yeah. Come on. Okay. In other words, if you want to parse the thing and look at it and take it apart, it's that the compassionate conservative mindset feels bad for the people that he's taking their food stamps away. <laughs> I feel bad that I got to take your food stamps. I'm a compassionate conservative, my God. And people bought it. They, they lapped it up. And so I'm not suggesting that we come out with things like that. But when you have abortion rights versus women's choice, you know, the different ways that we frame it, gun control keeps up the news uh, stories about the things that we're trying to account, but we're not trying to control guns. What we're trying to do is create uh, universal background checks so people that don't, shouldn't have guns, don't get guns, you know? And so until the messaging is clear, um, let's face it, we're facing a machine on the other side. And, and, and you know, Donny Deutsch, Donny Deutsch uh, last week yeah. came out with a sort of a master plan for Democrats. And I, you know, I wrote a piece uh, this morning, actually, right. where I said, you know, I'm not a fan of Danny Deutsch. Danny Deutsch is a neoliberal, but he is a Democrat, yeah. right? And Danny Deutsch comes out and he says, um, we need to really get our messaging right. And we need to put people out there on all the daily shows, on, on out in mass, Absolutely. 24 people out there all of the times. Because <laughs> what I wrote in the article is I said, you know what? What Danny Deutsch is saying is real, but it's already been implemented and shown some success. How can, the Dem how can Republicans with such lousy policies garner such support? And the only way that has been done yes. is because they followed that methodology. You know, the idea of neoliberalism, when you look at it, and it's uh, touted as such a great thing, because, you know, of course, we want uh, uh, business to do well. All right. 
Um, what we failed to do, I think, and what I failed to do is to point out to people that government has an essential role in the economy because right. not just of regulation, because regulation is something that everybody gets their back over. Um, what it does, I'll give you an example of a local situation, and we have to translate this into the more national policy. We have local um, trash haulers in town. They pick up people's trash. Watertown also has its own municipal trash service, okay? And I talked to the trash people about this, uh, what we might do for policy. Some people on council right now, the more conservative ones, would like us to get completely out of the trash business as a city. Get rid of it. It's costing us money. We're not making anything on it. Well, you know, the Navy doesn't make this money either. The post office never was designed to make this money. It was a service, okay? So this mindset of, if it doesn't make us money, we should get rid of it. Well, maybe we should get rid of roads, you know? It makes no money, <laughs> Do they right? make us money? Maybe you can put an odometer on it and send people a bill monthly. My point is, is that I said to the individual I was talking to, he was conservative. I said, number one, I said, if you get rid of the city's trash business, I said, what you do is you set up a situation where all the private haulers can raise their price any way they want. I said, what government is, is a stabilizing factor. Right. Now, we don't want to present our products so much lower than the private companies that we now are predatory. But we, we need to be in there just a bit, maybe, to keep them, give them an incentive to keep their pricing reasonable and still be profitable. Now, if they come to us and say, look, you're lower than what we can afford to uh, run our business at by a quarter, then, you know, it can be, it should be considered that we may raise our price on our, uh, you know, using that trash as an example, you know I mean? we need to use that trash as a, as a quick example before we move on here. Um, the, you know, the trash company is going to be likely held by shareholders and, uh, and there are two things that they're going to have to do, cut the pay of people who pick up trash. And if they cut the pay of people who pick up trash, those people were the people in your community who were spending in these grocery stores and other exactly. places which were paying sales taxes, et cetera. And likewise, right. if they go to the private sector, all it means is a nice good old transfer of wealth from the city to yes. a few wealthy individuals as you marginalize the workers who are actually there picking up trash at a lower cost. I mean, at a large wage now. So, I mean, it's not a hard concept. Now, I want to jump onto something before no. we end this here because we're running out of time. But okay. um, uh, there is this big hoopla about the supply chain uh, problems as well as inflation. And yes. every calculation that I've done so far tells me that this has nothing to do with government. It's a failure of the private sector that is creating inflation that is not due. In other words, inflate, a false inflation because of those who have price and power. And secondly, that the supply chain's problem is, uh, shows that th this efficiency that we always talk about, the private sector, with things right. like just-in-time inventory, et cetera, et cetera, that they have shown that they are not at all more, uh, they are not at all more than we are. They are not at all more uh, efficient than we are, than, well, than government is. No question. Um, the, the, what you're talking about, there's, there's, uh, it's true. The, the idea started back with NAFTA. And what we did was outsource, uh, you know, the economy of scale and other things to countries that we felt uh, could do it better. Now, all of those things were based on um, everything working perfectly. Not, now throw a pandemic into the works. Yes. Slow down the whole mechanism to the degree that we can't do just in time anymore. You know, just in time is a great concept. I used to work at a box company 
And we sold that idea to companies rather than them inventorying right. many boxes at a better price that they paid a little bit more for just in time delivery because they didn't have to inventory or tie their capital up uh, for that those products to be on hand for six, eight months. They don't need that much. You can get them there in six weeks. Uh, so they're not running out at the same time they're getting when they uh, getting the boxes when they need it. So when you add all of what's happened with the shortage of workers in the the unwillingness of some people to get the vaccination. The, um, the, the thing that I've heard mostly is workers aren't going back well. So people are getting sick. What good did it do you to get your vaccination? Because right. people with the vaccination are getting sick now too. But it's an entirely different virus. It mutated. What we were vaccinated for, um, that virus, we're immune. We have immunities for that. Now it's something different. So, you know, the, the conversation has been distorted so much. But going back to what you're saying, when we outsourced a lot of our jobs and manufacturing to other companies or countries, we relied on them to uh, deliver. And when you're um, six or eight weeks or however long it takes to get from China over here for masking, you saw mm -hmm. what those things did and that supply chain did just in the early parts of the pandemic, right? Uh, we couldn't get masks. We couldn't get the PPE. Uh, we couldn't get all that stuff. And unfortunately, um, that should have, somebody should have thought about this a long time before because it wasn't a good idea. It's a national security issue. If you think of our two biggest economic competitors like China and also with Russia, all right, well, China mostly, all right, what are we going to ask them to make our berets for our soldiers <laughs> if we go to war with them? Or maybe, maybe we could say to them, hey, could you just maybe slip us some uh, chips for our Humvees that we're going to use in a war against you? Uh, you know, all of what was done, if we were uh, a galactic society, one worthy of being noticed by other civilizations around our galaxy, one that was actually worth um, coming to a less primitive society than what we still are with the xenophobic uh, points of view that we have. Um, yeah, um, in a perfect world, it would be okay. And if we, yeah, all those things, but if, 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 you know, it's, it's all the ifs, case. all the ifs. Hey, Cliff, oh, yeah. I don't know how many of my interviews you've listened to, but the same old question that I asked, the last question, and it goes this way. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you. Oh, I think the thing we need to be very concerned about right now is our democracy. What I see is that there's so much misinformation from talking to people out there. They believe that it is one, uh, they have similar beliefs about government and things, all right, as what progressives do, conservatives do, but they blame the wrong people for the problems that we're seeing. They're convinced that it's all the Democrats' fault. It's not. You know, when I look at the, the differences between us, there's not much uh, as far as differences in, only in the capacity. Uh, the, the speed at which something would get done. It's on who they blame. And I blame the media that is forwarding this stuff. And I, I'll tell you quite frankly, um, the one thing that has surprised me the most is that until this has all happened, this is good in one way. We've got to get on top of it. We've got to get the message right. We've got to get that out there. Is that I never knew people were so vulnerable to the propaganda that we see, so yes. gullible and willing to believe nonsense when their own critical thinking isn't working for them. And I think that it's because there's been false narratives, but I think more importantly, there's a certain mindset to people who are inclined to embrace authoritarian type uh, government. They don't know what to do with their freedom and liberty. And they look to somebody else to give them the answer to that. 
honestly, you and I have been friends a long time. I have plenty to do of the time that I have, and I don't need somebody else telling me what to do with it. All right. They seem to, even though they claim that they're independent, they want somebody to be dictating to them what their time is used for and how they should go out and spend it. I don't agree. So we got to find the right message to clarify, I think. And, and thank you so much for inviting me to come on and talk. And I'm excited because of all that's happening. Uh, Let and- me tell you, we, we, we're very proud of you, Cliff. I mean, we, we're going to go into that CNNI report group and really... Really said, hey, we did it, man. We did it. Cliff Olney is a yeah. business owner, activist, former CNNI reporter. He is now councilman of Watertown, New York. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Unright. Thank you Good so pleasure. kindly for having been here, my friend. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate it. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.